Hello everyone and welcome back to the FPL Banger Show. This is the Game Week 3 preview. My name is Siva and I'm joined by Sam. How's it going, Sam? It's been good. Um, <laughs> life has been good. FPL, not so much. Um, those of you who follow us will know I... Well, you won't know because we don't post about it, but I had an absolute like worst case possible Murphy's Law whatever <laughs> you know when it rains it pours kind of game week but yeah I think that's been good yeah I'll summarize your game week because I don't think I want to waste I mean we don't we try to make this show about your teams not ours so I had a very boring template score and Sam had a slightly less template score because he didn't have Jesus but he had Darwin Nunes so I mean, not, not much. I took a minus eight for David Nunes, took out KDB, took out Kane. Yeah, um, not the best week, I guess. But, you know, there's still 36 more weeks to make up for it, so not panicking. Yeah, and you shouldn't. I mean, I had 70, which only, and my lead over you is less than 30 points. I mean, at this stage, it really doesn't matter. So I think no point stressing about it. I think you look forward, and I don't think you can plan for Darwin Nunes losing his cool and headbutting someone. Fifteen minutes before that, he should have scored. So exactly, I'll tell you what though, it's really fun. Like being in this situation, it's it's kind of fun. I'm like, oh, okay, now what do I need to do to make it back? You know, kind of thing. Bringing excitement into FPL life again. Okay, let's forget about my team. Let's move on. <laughs> Alright, so questions. And the big question. Sam, to be fair, something that you did predict and, and you sort of tried to plan for was Leon Bailey losing his place. Right? You ended up, you benched him in your team. We had this argument and I started him. And he didn't start. Uh, Jared benched him and he only came on for the uh, last 13 minutes. And his place is at risk. So we had questions here from uh, Fly Me to Tokyo, Cyrus. Bailey replacements. So I've just scribbled down some names. I, I looked at, you know, who I would think would be the most, uh, you know, who would come first to mind, right? So at 6.5 million, I had Martinelli, Rodrigo, 6 million. So uh, Pascal Gross is now up to 5.6. Uh, 5.5, you have Neto, Podence, uh, Joe Aribo, who I'll talk about later, uh, Gordon, Gray. And then you come down to 5 million, you have uh, Dewsbury Hall, 4.6, you have Josh Silva. So maybe start off, Sam. You don't really need to replace Leon Bailey in your team with the way you set up, but if you had to, who would you go for? Well, of course, if you can, if you don't already have Martinelli and you have the funds to get Martinelli, I think he's the standout option below 6.5, right? Yeah. I really like Rodrigo, though. I really do. He actually had a really good preseason, someone I had my eye on, and he transferred it. So he already has um, scored one goal in his first game, two goals last in game week two. Uh, on top of that, the, um, I don't know, the underlying stats for game week two is insane. Like he had 1.2 XG in one game week, which is pretty incredible. But I don't know, it seems like... Um, he finally found a coach who knows how to play him, right? Because he was a striker, he came. Bielsa somehow, for some reason, kept playing him in the midfield. Um, I don't know, looks good. I like Rodrigo. I also like Jack Harrison, who you did not write his name down. But he also looks pretty good. 
Um, I think it's 0.1 cheaper than Rodrigo right now. But yeah, yeah, those two options look good to me. Yeah, I think Rodrigo's I'm actually... I'm also keen on... Sorry, Sam, just to butt in, right? Rodrigo's actually, the reason why it's really high, I did watch the highlights, it's because his uh, goal against uh, Southampton, his second goal, is a header on the goal line. So I'm a, I think that's like 0.9 XG just from that alone. It was already going in and he just, you know, wanted to get the goal. So just to explain that, that may be why, but I mean, it's still a good sign, right? Yeah, yeah, still looks good. Skating into dangerous positions, which is what you want. Uh, below him, I'm, I think Southampton still has bad fixtures, so can't really look at Aribo. I don't really like any of the 5.5 options. Wolves just can't seem to attack continuation from last year. So I think like below Martinelli, Rodrigo, Harrison, I will go all the way down to Dewsbury Hall if you really want to fill that 5.0 kind of bracket. And if not, might as well just go all the way down to Josh Da Silva, who I did shout out as being a really good 4.5 option. I'm just going to throw that in there. Um, because he, he is a creative player, wrongly priced. So I like Josh Da Silva. Of course, don't expect him to score every game, you know, <laughs> from now until the end of the season. But for the price you pay, he's really good. Definitely worth the money, I think. Yeah. But Sam, I mean, yes. Okay, I, I was really excited about Joe Ribo. I'll tell you why I put him in there. It's because all, his fixtures are deceptively bad. He plays Chelsea in game week five, so that's not good. But apart from that, he has really good fixtures because Le Saints' next two fixtures are Leicester, who have conceded six goals so far, and Man United, who are going to get relegated. So... Very easy fixtures for a Rebo. You look at FDR ratings and you think, oh, a lot of red fixtures. Actually, it's really not. He scored after coming on against Leeds. Uh, he looked... He was, unf I, I think, very silly of uh, Saints not to start him. And I think Hassan Rutel realized the mistake and he changed the formation as the game progressed. So I expect him to start. He did start game week one. So I'd expect him to start in game week three. He's 5.5. If you're talking about wrongly priced, Sam... He's definitely wrongly priced because he's not a 5.5 million mid. If anything, he's probably a 6 million striker. He's playing second striker most times or in a cam role. The composure on his finish for the goal was really good. He was really good for Rangers last year as well. Uh, he was he didn't start off as a striker. He was a midfielder, but then pushed forward because of injuries. And he's adapted really well. I think Joe Rubo, as the season progresses, you're definitely going to want him. Beyond that, yeah, Martinelli. No-brainer. Get Martinelli. I'm not going to go anywhere near Anthony Gordon because Chelsea apparently want to spend 50 million on him. I don't sp want to spend 5 million on him in FPL, but <laughs> they want to spend 50. And I think for Gray as well, I love Demar Gray. We you know, had him last season, but I don't think that Everton attack is very good. I thought they were really... They, Villa made them look good. I don't think it's a very good attack. I think they, they've, they struggle without DCL. And unless he's fully fit, I wouldn't go near them. Yeah, without this year, without Richarlison, and they replaced Richarlison with, um, what's his name, Dwight McNeil? Yeah. <laughs> not, uh, not the best replacement. There is one 5.5 um, player which I really like, uh, Average Easy. So I did, uh, I think in game week one, he did look kind of dangerous. Game week two, he played that really nice pass for Zaha. He's been. I don't know, he looks really good, I think. Maybe not a goal scorer, more of an assister, but, you know, at 5.5, you, you can't ask too much, right? Uh, I like how he looks. 
Palace has pretty good fixtures except for City in game week 4. But if you can navigate through that after that, you know, it looks good for them. And they definitely look good, you know, Palace, you know, their attack. So, it flows so well, right? And this, I think, Michael Olis is not back yet. So, you know, once Olis, Easy, Zaha up front, whew, that is a scary attack. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think uh, Eze, right? He, he's always been a decent option. I think his issue has been injuries. So, yeah, if he's fit. I think the issue... Are... Sorry, Sam, you're going to say something. No, no. Continue, Sam. Oh, you're just doing your thinking face. Yeah, I mean, I, the issue I have with all these mids, right, is they're all... Bar, Martinelli, and I think Rodrigo, they're all kind of punts. Or in Pascal Gross's case, it's whether he holds that position because he was in and out of the team last season. And that sort of brings me to the next question. And I wonder whether people who have Leon Bailey might just look at a structural change. And I don't, it depends, you know, it's very team dependent. It depends how easily you can get there. But we had a question here from Nano Africa. Ramsdale, Robo, and Bailey out for Sanchez, Arsenal defender, and 8 million mid. And that got me thinking, right? Instead of, because I have Leon Bailey and I've been starting him and I need to replace him this week because I don't feel comfortable playing Andres Pereira, especially because he has a knock. So that got me thinking, why not use this opportunity? Most of us, not all of us, but most of us have two free transfers or a wildcard if needed. Why not structurally change the team and add a defender, subtract a midfielder? Now, very team dependent, I know, but this points for players under 6.5 million so far, right? That's on the screen right now. Rodrigo's top at 22. If And you go down all the way, you have Podence at 12. I think if you look at this list... The majority of people who are expect to maintain these returns where it's sustainable are the defenders, right? You look at somebody like Reese James, 14 points, Kieran Trippier, 14, RK, 13, Koulibaly, 13, uh, Diaz, 12, back-to-back clean sheets. You look at the midfielders and I feel their points are far more unsustainable. I don't think Jensen is going to score a lot this season at 15 points. Xhaka is definitely not going to score a lot. The Silva has had two shots and scored two goals. So I think it's uh, hard to maintain. Jorginho needs pens. And I, Dewsbury Hall has, again, one shot so far. So I think if you're talking about structure-wise, I feel like the 5 million defenders are a lot more sustainable for points compared to the 5.5 and 6 million mids. I completely agree, which is why I did my transfers last week because I did not want Bailey as a starter. Now, it didn't work out for me, but the idea is the same that, you know, you maybe the, there's no really good starters below 6.0 in mids, right? And even at 6.0, 6.5, Rodrigo, I don't know how long he can hold it on. He looks good right now, but leads as a whole are kind of chaotic. Um, so yeah, maybe the play is to move your funds around and upgrade one of your defenders, especially now with, um, I mean, you have quite a lot of 5.0 defenders who are very viable, right? You have, yeah, Siva has it on screen right now. You want to go through it, Siva? Yeah, so this is predicted points from FPL Review and I just took a comparison of uh, 6 million under mids versus 5.5 and under defenders. And the reason why there's a price difference is because you have 4 million defenders, you don't have 4 million mids. So I subtracted 0.5. And as Sam was coming to it, 5 million defenders, right? This is projected points over the next 5 weeks. Kukurea's top, uh, Kulibali, Ake, Walker, Gabriel, Thiago, Perisic, Dyer, Dunk, Zinchenko. And there are more options beyond that. Whereas if you look at mids, 
the highest is gross and yes predicted points so no guarantees but gross would come somewhere at the bottom of the list for defenders that we just mentioned yeah so i agree i agree if you can um maybe just bench bailey and make a change in your defense or if you need the funds i don't however you may find it but perhaps the place to not use a midfielder in that price range as your first team you know keep them on the bench and play one of your defenders yeah so for instance for my team right and this is that's why i said really team dependent you may not have the structure for this but i'm going to use a minus four basically to remove robertson which i don't want to do but i'm going to do it because it enables me to get Cucurella and maybe Walker or Perisic. We'll see how it goes. And I get to upgrade Bailey to Diaz, which instantly, I think, cures me of that sort of... I don't want to sit here and compare Demari Gray and Anthony Gordon, okay? No offense. Like, I'd much rather go... And I think with guys like Cucurella, yeah, they may not be nailed every week. But if he does lose his spot, there's so many more 4.5 and 4 million defenders I'd consider. Veltman, Dunk, can go down even to Neko Williams. Whereas... 5.5 million mids and this is the issue we're having with Bailey right after T got dropped I don't really want to go to Neto or it's just much harder to predict their points so I think yeah we're laboring the point but basically I think if you can switch to defenders I think 5 at the back is still really optimal yeah I agree I agree okay um, I'm glad we agreed so Sam I mean we didn't really finish that point but a lot of people want to know what to do with Robertson right and for them, it's, it's for a lot of people, not you maybe, because your setup, you have Darwin Nunes, and we'll come to Darwin replacements later. But if you had to choose between Robertson and Diaz at this stage, bearing in mind that sort of movement and structure, would you see the logic in getting rid of Robertson? I, if you have double Liverpool defense, Trent and Robo, then yes, I think they just don't look very stable at the back right now. You may not want to double up. In fact, Maybe double up on City, um, get a Chelsea defender if you don't already have something like that. I'm pretty sure Perisic will start <laughs> next week, so if you're really brave, you can go for him. Uh, he did get an assist this week, and Cicinone didn't play so well. So Yeah, but basically I think double Liverpool defence is not the way to go right now. Yeah, I think the fact that they had to rely on Nat Phillips this week really cost them. No offense, he's not a bad defender, but he was at fault for the first goal, uh, in my opinion anyway, because he was marking Zaha. And I think the number of injuries Liverpool has concerns me, right? They have a lot of first-teamers out. And even though the squad is really good, right? I think the fact that they have so many injuries compared to City and Chelsea, who both seem to have really strong squads. Like, okay, we've got City's XG on the screen right now. And this is City against Bournemouth. Same thing as against West Ham. They, they didn't give any chances up. It's almost guaranteed clean sheets. And we had one more question from, I think it's Jay Mira, asking whether he should move Sun to KDB. So since you had KDB at the start of the season, how do you feel about KDB, given the fact that he, I mean, his, his goal, <laughs> yes, his goal against Bournemouth is amazing. I thought that that first goal against Bournemouth was bloody brilliant, right? So would you swap Sun to KDB and just general thoughts on both Sun and KDB? I wouldn't, actually. Now, Sun did have a bad game, but it's more... Like we did mention earlier, Rhys James playing right centre-back, kind of marking him out of the match. They kept his pace to keep Sun out of the game. So I think just tactically, he couldn't do anything. 
right? But Sun still remains the biggest goal threat for Spurs and they have good run of fixtures coming up. So I will keep Sun. As for KDB though, I still kind of stand by what I said in game week one, um, that he will probably get loads of assists because that's what KDB does, but not necessarily get as many goals. Yes, he did score this week, but that was like some crazy outside boot wonder shot, right? And a lot of people, a lot have been made about Haaland having, what is it, six touches in the entire game or something touches, like that. yeah. Some, yeah, some insignificant number. But I think Pep was not happy with that at all. He was not happy that his midfielders were not finding KDB. In fact, he took Foden out at halftime, despite Foden scoring a goal, right? Be- just simply because Foden did not pass to Haaland when Haaland was open. You know, he had, there was one sequence of play. And I think Pep actually addressed it in um, the post-match. You know, he said um, Foden should have made that pass. Um... And he actually addressed it. He said, maybe they're too used to playing with a false nine, but it's something they will have to adapt and change now that we have a proper striker. Previously, with a false nine, maybe no one would be there at the far post, but now he will always be there. So clearly, you can see Pep is trying to change the mentality of players to pass to Haaland, get the ball to Haaland. And throughout the match, actually, Haaland made some pretty good runs where if they found him, he probably would have scored or at least have a big chance on goal, you know? Um... I don't know why they just were not finding him as much as they did in game week one. But I think as Pep does his thing, it will start to, you know, change. And then KDB's goal threat may be not as much anymore. Although I may just eat my words like I did this week. So, <laughs> listen at your own peril, I guess. It's very hard to predict because you're trying to predict something that I don't think even Pep knows how it's going to work out. No one really knows, right? It's a developing situation. He's trying to figure out how to work Haaland in and get the most out of him. So none of us really know how this is going to end up. So I think if you have KDB, keep. But like you say, Sun is probably the safer bet now because you know what you're getting. And Spurs fixtures, regardless of the performance against Chelsea, I mean, Spurs fixtures going forward are really good. So they're going to play Fulham and Forrest uh, before game week six. So I think... That's probably what you go for the non-quantity first. And then when you've seen how KDB and Haaland sort of work together after a few games, you can make an educated decision of who you're going with. Let's talk about Chelsea Spurs for a bit because I'm sure you also watched it. I thought Chelsea, even though they didn't create a lot, controlled like 75% of the game. And it's only at the end when it started getting chaotic. Yeah, yeah. I thought Chelsea looked pretty impressive in the game. They definitely had the upper hand on Spurs. Now, it's just the nature of the game, you know. Um, it's a derby and everything and the history. So it got a bit chaotic. So naturally, can't really expect clean sheets for Chelsea in a game like that. But, you know, going forward, I think they look really good. I think Rhys James, um, he started as right centre-back, which was a lot of people's worry. But in the end, he got forward, he got the goal, which was great. Um, Kukurela, like we mentioned earlier, looked really good. And I really think that he is... I think that he's nailed. It's just that, kind of like Rhys James, he will be between the left wing back and left centre back. Because he did play left centre back quite a lot for Brighton too. So that versatility, you know, can come in useful. Um, it's only 5.0, so really cheap. Yeah, I, I like Chelsea's defence. I just want to point out, because their attack still... Still looks like it's going nowhere, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. But yeah, Chelsea defenders look good. Yeah, the attack is still hopeless. I mean, Kai Howard's uh, 
I don't care. People keep telling me Kai Havertz is a really good footballer and he does so many things for the team. He's he's Emil Heskey, you know, for the modern day, right? He doesn't score goals. He's so ineffective in front of goal. James put a cross on the plate for him and he misses it point blank range. Honestly, yeah. So th- their attack is still very suspect. But Reese James, right? Yeah, I was really annoyed to see him at centre-back because he was so good at it as well. He marked Sun out of the game. But then on 73 minutes, they bring on Aspilicueta. James goes to right wing back. 77 minutes, he scores a goal. It, it, it didn't take him long at all. And his finish was everything that Harvard doesn't do. He just put his foot through it. So much confidence. And to add to the Reese James propaganda, right? They play Leeds this week. And Leeds, as you can see on the screen, no left back. And Leeds, coincidentally, conceding the equaliser against Southampton. Goal comes from the right wing back, Carl Walker-Peters. He's way up the pitch. He's exactly where Reese James would expect to be. So, yeah, no guarantees. It may not happen again. But I think Leeds seem to have a lot of defensive issues, especially on the flanks, both uh, sides. Even on the right flank where they've got a new guy, Rasmus uh, Christensen, they seem to be conceding a lot of chances there. That's where Southampton's first goal came from. So I think definitely Leeds team to target and uh, Reese James. No-brainer for me. Yep. It looks good. Going back to um, the Chelsea Spurs game, though, I just want to say that a lot of people have concerns about Kulu, Seski, and um, the fact that they bought Richarlison. But I think the game is kind of confirmation that Richarlison is not there to replace um, Kulu because he ended up replacing Sun, right? And a lot of Spurs fans have already said that he will probably keep Kulu because he's left-footed, whereas Richarlison is right-footed. Yeah, so... You know, Richardson stayed on for the game. So, I mean, Kulusevsky stayed on for the game. So I think he is a pretty safe shot now at eight. Um, if you're looking for an eight million midfielder. Yeah, Kulu played 90. So I don't think I'd be worried at all. And if anything, the fact that Kulu plays on the right, I think if you go back and watch Leeds Wolves, you'll notice again, Ait uh, Nuri had a really poor game uh, for Wolves at left back. And he's still starting. And of course, there are fans who are asking for him to be replaced, move Johnny over and move uh, Semedo in. But as long as Aitnuri plays, the issue is he's really good going forward, but he he does he has some issues in defending. So I think Kulusevsky is an easy hold. You shouldn't judge him on this game week. Chelsea is a different caliber of opponent. Yep. Okay. Um, what's next, Siva? Darwin replacements. Ah, so this, this is something you can advise on, Sam, because... I okay, don't have Darwin and so sad. I spent all weekend drawing up plans to get Darwin and yeah, one moment of madness. But we have a question here from Till798. Really need a Darwin alternative. Bought him in game week two. Been eyeing Tony for now. Okay, Sam, I have a lot of strong feelings about Ivan Tony, but I will I will first let you discuss since you actually need to replace Darwin. Well, the pickings are really slim, actually. Below Darwin, all you have is Gabriel Jesus, which 75% of FL players already owned. I'm assuming most listeners of this podcast are part of them. Um, and then below that, all you have is Tony. You have Caelan Wilson, but Caelan Wilson's um, Newcastle's about to have quite a tough run of games. They're going to play City in game week 3 and Liverpool in game week 5. After that, you know, they're good. So I don't think you would jump on Caelan Wilson right now. I think that that's all you got. You got Tony. You got. If you're really brave, if you're really brave, 
Brian Mbemo actually has the highest XG in Brentford squad. Um, last year, he had really good underlying stats, but he kept hitting the post, right? Some kind of sick crossbar challenge. I think he hit the post like seven times or something like that, right? So, But he has the highest XG in the squad. Has taken the most shots in the squad as well with four. Granted, they've played United, which is like playing a championship team. So I guess um, it's a bit inflated. <laughs> But yeah, Brian Remo does look like the main goal threat, whereas Tony tends to set up, so his XA is really high, you know? Um, I think... Yeah, his XA is 0.66 per um, 90, which is uh, probably... Uh, actually, no, it is the highest really amongst high, but, all forwards. But again, they did play United, so, you know, everything's inflated. <laughs> so, I mean, Tony, I mean, he's nailed, right? Um... But I kind of like Mwemo as a sneaky, you know, sneaky shot punt. Other than that, I don't know, I don't see any other strikers below that that is worth getting in. Yeah, it's, it's a horrible list. And the funny thing about Ivan Tony, right, talking about United, I feel if we did this list last week, if you're answering this question, we'd have said Danny Welbeck and he also played United. And I, I wonder if this, I, I'm not joking, I wonder if we need to sort of adjust our stats for like, you've played United, so therefore we need to weight all their stats down a bit because all these guys who played United look really good, but there's no guarantee that they're going to look good the following week. Uh, for Tony, I, I look, for me, we've got it on the screen now. His XG is just... this. I had this issue last season because I owned Tony at the start of last season and his XA has always been good. He really works hard for the team, but his XG is really, really low. It's 0.1 per 90 and he's played every minute of every game so far. Yes, sample size small, but I remember this last season and his XG was low then. It got better when Ericsson arrived, and I do think the fact that Ericsson is not there means Tony does bear a larger share of the creative role in the team. And I think for a striker, you kind of want goals. Uh, XA is good, but XA is heavily reliant on finishing. So that means you're reliant on Brian and Bobo's finishing, which is here, neither here nor there. And if that's the case, you might as well just get Mbomo. I feel penalties alone don't make Tony... Let's put it this way. If Tony hadn't got a penalty in game one, I don't think we'd be discussing him as an option right now. His XG is really low. I'm like 0.1 is, is below the likes of James. It's below midfielders. It, it's it's less than Joe Linton. Okay, just, you know, it's, it's really low. So I feel like if you're going to spend money on a Darwin replacement, I think you look for somebody more reliable than Tony, in my opinion. I think if you've got all the main guys, I would honestly go to somebody like Taiwo Awani, who at least... I think Forrest look really good and I think Everton are kind of open and I think they can get at them. Or you move the money to midfield or defence for me. I, I don't think... I don't think forcing yourself to get Ivan Tony just because of structure is a good idea. Yeah, I, I agree, I agree. All depends on your team, how many strikers you have, blah, blah, blah. You know, but... really doesn't look good at all for, for forwards right now. Yeah. Watkins, I'm not convinced on Watkins. Are you? I'm not convinced on any Villa player because this man, I mean, uh, there's, there's a, one of our friends at the pod uh, uh, posted, uh, I think it's Move uh, FPL and he posted this gif of uh, Lampard's formation tactics, right? And it's just 4-4-2, lose game, 4-3-3, lose game, back to 4-4-2. And that's basically, uh, I mean, Gerard doesn't have I mean any. Gerard, right? Yeah, Gerard. Sorry, I just say Lampard. <laughs> I mean, Gerard. Yeah. The, yeah. 
So, I mean, Watkins is nailed until they lose a game, at which point he'll go back to the 4-3-3. And yeah, I just, no, I don't think Watkins is the guy you get. And same issue, he's going to split returns with Danny Ings. This is why strikers, actually, the, the choice isn't that great. So if you're not going for somebody like Awani, I would think Mitrovic, also not not a bad shot, Solanke. These are talisman, nailed, and goal scorers, which I think Tony, while Ericsson's not in the team, I feel Tony is less of a goal scorer in this team. Agreed, agreed. But yeah, I think the advice would be to move the funds to somewhere else, midfield or defence. Honestly, I think Mitrovic, if he had scored that penalty this week, would have been the default pick. And I think people follow points, maybe too much, FL points, right? If you if Mitrovic had scored that pen, mm. I guarantee you he'd be the popular pick right now because he's playing Brentford next and Brentford, got to ignore the United game. They have an issue dealing with set pieces, which they did against Leicester. <laughs> we really have to ignore United games. And Brentford still uh, missing Pinnock, missing uh, Christopher Ayer. So I think at set pieces, somebody like Mitrovic can definitely get at them. So yeah, for me, Mitrovic, 6.5. Hmm. Neil, Talisman, I think that is probably where I'd be more comfortable if you're going to spend money there. Uh, oh, uh, we're at captaincy, Sam. This, this feels like a very relaxed pod in that sense. Not ma- that many issues, but captaincy this week, right? There are a few options. Salah against United. Uh, Kane Edson against Wolves. Haaland v Newcastle. Jesus v Bournemouth. There are other options. James is against Leeds, for instance. Uh, who are you looking at here? Um, Salah versus United doesn't get and there's no easier fixture than this right now. Do you? I still see. I see United fans who had given up hope on the weekend are starting to sort of you know maybe we'll beat them. They look bad too, and the 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 United hope is creeping back in. Is that happening to you? No. <laughs> I, I didn't even have... So, like, you know, during pre-season, a lot of United fans were, oh, you know, we look really good. This is our year of coming back. I had zero hope on them. I knew this was coming. I told everyone who would listen not to get any United players in. And, yeah. I'm definitely captaining Salah against United. Like, <laughs> there's nothing in the world that will convince me against it. Jesus, we born but though, man. Jesus, 19 points. Gabriel Jesus. It was just a fluke. <laughs> he had a lot of chances, mate. I mean, I'm only saying that because I don't have Jesus, okay? Yeah, but, I mean, uh, what, gen- I mean, genuinely, do you think Salah outscores Jesus? I, I, I think the, the concern here is perhaps Bournemouth will play with a lower block and be a lot more defensively disciplined uh, compared to how Leicester were. So maybe that's why Jesus doesn't outscore Salah. I think United are just shambolic and Liverpool after not winning two games in a row you know they're, they're gonna, and they have confidence because they trashed United in both games last year so I think we're looking at a big score here I think I'm going Salah anyway okay and do you I mean do you really think that United don't fix any of the issues do they do they change the setup because I was I mean we didn't really speak about United Brentford in detail I think it's been analyzed everywhere but I was surprised that it, it does seem like as if Ten Hag doesn't like a lot of people don't want to criticize him but it, it seems like as if he doesn't know a lot of the weaknesses of this team like I am quite surprised that David De Gea is being asked to play out from the back uh, I'm surprised that Dalo is still starting because he can't defend 
a lot of issues. I don't know why Ericsson's playing as a defensive midfielder effectively. So does he resolve those issues by the weekend or does he just, you think he just tries them again and just hopes for the best? I think, I think he's actually came up, you know, I mean, interviews, of course they can do stuff that is opposite of what they say, right? But what he said is that he's going to stick to his tactics. It's not the tactics fault, it's the players, basically, that's what he's saying. The only way to fix it is to sell the entire squad, Siva. And I don't think we'll do that by game week three. So, more of the same, I think. He may change some stuff around, right? Like maybe he drops Shaw for Malaysia or whatever. Move some players around, but the players are still the same. Majority of the squad are still the same. We're still going to be bad, so... I, I don't see anything changing for United. Yeah, I mean, I don't either. I want to I, I want to believe that at some point this ends, but it does feel like as if it's just a cycle and they can't get out of it. I'm not sure how it ends because they don't seem to want to buy anybody either. They can't seem, don't seem able to get anybody in as well. And I don't know, that first 25 minutes against Brentford was... I, I've never seen anything like it. It's... I'm an Arsenal fan and I've seen some pretty bad losses, but I've never seen something as bad as that. Like, it's it's some sort of horror show that just wouldn't end. And he looks, I don't know, maybe we're just judging him, but Ten Hag looks like this is almost like too much for him, right? You just watch him on the sideline and he just, uh, Thomas Frank started bringing out his whiteboard and he had all these tactics at 4 and Ten Hag just, <laughs> he really just looked like it, the, the moment the situation was just too much for him. I think it's just the players not following his instructions, not doing the basic stuff properly, like passing to an open player, you know, making passes to players who are already marked and then conceding from it. Like there's no coach that can fix that. You know what I mean? The players are making this kind of individual mistakes. Nothing he can do. But anyway, not here to discuss United detail or else we're going to be another United stand. So yeah, Salah, against United would be my pick. Haaland against Newcastle is tricky because Newcastle actually has been real... Um, they've been solid, but at the same time, they've been conceding chances. So yep. it could go either way, you know what I mean? Yeah. They were kind of lucky to keep the clean sheets, but at the same time, they kind of controlled the game. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to look at it. Could go either way. So I think Salah against United, that would be my... That's the only option to me. Yeah. I mean, I'm comfortable with Salah. I, even though I have Jesus and Haaland, I, I like the idea of going Salah against United. I think you target United while they're still in flux and you just see how it goes. And I, to be fair, I think Salah will likely be the popular captain, although we don't try to decide stuff on EO. So I think it's a, it's a safe enough pick. And like you say, Liverpool really need a result. And I think Firmino coming in means that Salah and Diaz have to sort of play a bit more centrally because Firmino, by definition, is going to be a bit more withdrawn. So that should mean, hopefully, more direct opportunities for Salah. All right. So I guess we are... Yeah, we're done. Unanimously decided. It's not fun. It's not fun when we agree on the same captain. No, it's not. I mean, I'd love to give you some... Somebody asked me, why aren't you captaining Reese James? You know, Leeds is a really good fixture. But there's... There's no need to. I mean, you just you, sometimes if, if the pick is good, the pick is good. You don't. The fact that it's boring isn't really uh, a reason to go against it. I think. Yep, I agree. Yeah, that, and that, I guess that's us done. So, anything else from you, Sam? No, that's it. That's it. So, um, get those green arrows, guys. Yeah, we'll see you next week.
Oh, 